welcome to the Investment Cuddle, episode eight. I'm Gary, and I'm here with Philip. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about credit rating agencies. So, Philip, what have you? Uh, what's your view on credit rating agencies? Well, effectively, what a credit rating agency does is it looks at the financial uh, positions of companies, uh, their balance sheet, their cash flow, their business model, and forecasts what it's going to be like in future to give an a probabilistic opinion on how well they can support the debt, they can finance the debt, repay the coupon and the original principal back to give you an idea of how risky they are to right. other investors who want to buy their debt and invest that way. Right, so, they, do they, so they're assessing risk. How Effectively. Do they, how, do they, how do they do that? So they will go through the financial accounts of the company, they will look at the business model, so how do the company generate money, how much debt they already have, how much they can grow from their current portfolio products and to some degree extrapolate into the future to see can they support their current level of debt or the extra debt they might be taking on. What's the risk that they continue to pay the coupons for the bonds and actually refinance the debt at the end of it and pay the principal back. So it's all based on there. So try and ascertain a risk level so that the other people who are going to lend them the money by the bonds can assess how much they what it demand is interest payments to cover for that said risk okay so that's a credit rating agency now to me a credit rating is something that's specific to me and i guess that would be my you know someone's assessing my risk level you're not talking about the credit rating agency that would tell me what my credit rating is are you you're thinking of the credit agencies equifax and Expedium. they look yeah, at so. you as a person and say how much debt collect information on you which will then allow banks or other financial institutions to say is he credit worthy how credit worthy is he but they and therefore how much i'm going to charge in interest because i'm fearful about whether you can pay it back or not so very very similar to what a corporate credit agency would do is what they do the only difference is it's a completely different companies that do it the ones right. who tend to do to people like I said, we're Experian and Expedia for corporate credit and international credit, should we say, for uh, for governments and companies. It's three different companies who make up 95% of that market and they're known as Moody's, Standard & Poor, or S&P, and Finch. They're the three big credit rating agencies for corporate and government debt. Okay, so they'll do do a similar thing in the corporate world that they would for me or for an organization that I'd applied to get a credit card from, for example, they'll do a similar check on me, In a, they but, probably, it, but it's personal versus corporate. Yeah, and they probably okay. go into far deeper, actual more detail because there's far more money involved and people yeah. lose a far more money if they get this wrong. Yeah, I'm just thinking from a credit point of view, you know, people say about how do you get your credit score up? And whilst we're not looking at necessarily covering individual credit scores today, there's always been a... You know, you go and get try and get a mortgage or a loan. If you don't have any credit history, you're going to really struggle to get a loan. So that goes back to the credit card point, where if you all if you just have a credit card, you don't always have to use it very often. Mm-hmm. But just get a credit card, and that will at least give you it will register a score. Give you a history. Yeah, it will give you register you a score, won't it? You've got some runs on the board that says I've got some history. Yeah. And it's easier for them to register a risk number or whatever they however they do it against you when they know you a little bit yes for the corporate credit rating agencies they're making these aren't small companies that go to a bank and ask for money because the bank makes its own decision or what it thinks 
the company's worth. This is where you're going to the open market. So this is if you're going to put a bond on the open market, not via a bank. Uh, you're going to do uh, a mortgage-backed security, a collateralized debt obligation, various other in corporate or governmental bonds that you're going to sell to the sell to anyone, not just banks. So this is the big end of the market. So countries have a credit rating, companies have a credit rating, but these are ones where you're lending money to the open market, not to a bank, because the bank will do its own, and it may or may not be the same. Whereas if you're doing it to the open market, you've got many, many different people who will be buying that credit, and they will want to, and not all of them will have the same access to the financial position and the financial information of the company. Right. Who's issuing the bond. Okay, so when... I'm not going to use the B word, but during the process where the UK was looking to leave Europe, you know what that one's called, there was an article about the UK's credit rating changing yes. during that period. So these are the kind of agencies you're talking yes, about, Yes, these right? are ones. I can't remember whether it's Moody's or Standard & Poor, but one of them during that period of time we will put on, put on watch, is what they said at the time. It's not that your credit rating dropped. It said is it could change. This is a warning. And mainly it's because you have a change in future prospects. At the time, they couldn't decide whether it is a positive or negative change in future prospects. All they noticed was it will be a change. Mm -hmm. So therefore, this might change your rating, good or bad. Because it could increase your credit rating or it could drop it. Yeah. But they hadn't made an opinion because it's based on your cash flow position, your balance sheets, how you're growing in the government's case, how well you're balancing the books, your payments to income okay so so that's the sort of thing that i i'm aware of i guess in terms of country changes you're also talking about companies yes. as well so pick a company whether it's you know bp shell you know you know general electric they're, they're all issuing bonds to raise money yes so those bonds will in, include a rating yes. essentially how do they score those how do you know what's a good or bad score for those bonds right. that are offered the basic rating system all three of the rating agencies use is based on letters you've heard the phrase triple a yeah I'm aware of that so what you'll have is you'll have variations on triple a double a single a triple b double b single b triple c double c single c d sounds like a, sounds like a list of batteries doesn't it yes it does <laughs> very boring but that's what you use where you have triple a being the best d being the most risky. And when they're saying risky here, risk of default, so therefore the risk of you're not getting, either they're gonna default on the interest payments or default and not pay your bond back in the end. Now what they do is effectively they break those all of those ranges into two grades, investment grade and speculative grade, which is also euphemistically known as junk bonds. Right, so the yeah. The reason so... why it was historically called junk bonds were Pension funds, large insurance companies have a very strict limit on the amount of non-investment grade credit or bonds they're allowed to hold. So generally, if you went from being investment grade to non-investment grade, they usually had a very short window of which to get rid of the bonds, junk the bonds. Yeah, because you books. don't want to be in high-risk investments in a pension fund that you're going to have to pay people for no. X number of years. That's just that's just that's right. So there's they've got a legal requirement. They can have a small amount. But once it's exceeded, they've got to bring it down, and so therefore they liquidate the bonds really quickly, get them off the books. And so the Duke euphemism was called junking them. So they're called right. junk bonds, meaning a pension fund can't touch this. So, But generally that's a positive side, because that means you've got to pay higher interest rates. 
because you're you're speculative grade now. So standard and poor, they also have an they use a plus or minus uh, to modify to say so basically a double A plus is better than a double A, but not as good as a triple A. So it gives them more categories in between. Mm-hmm. So triple A being the best, the lowest investment grade for standard and poor is triple B minus. For Moody's, they use one, two, and three modifiers, but effectively, as you can guess, their lowest investment grade is triple B3, because that's the lowest in that band. Finch uses a plus or minus modifier, like standard and more poor, so therefore their lowest investment grade is triple B minus. A double B plus for standard and poor or Finch is the highest grade of speculative bonds and the lowest being D, and you've got lots of grades in between. And every time you drop a grade, it's how the perception of your risk of you not being able to finance your debt. Okay, so if you turn around and said, I want want to take some risk in what I'm investing in, so I go for those lower grade or lower scored bonds, am I not recompensed for that with a higher yield, so a higher percentage return on those bonds than I would be if I'm going... AAA. To some degree, yes. So you'll pay the company issuing AA or AAA bonds will pay a much, much, much lower interest rate than a company that's offering triple B minus bonds. But they will still be paying less interest than somebody who's got a triple C. And somebody who's got a, a rating of, say, a D bond is paying a huge interest rate. Whether it's enough to offset your default risk is the $64,000 question because they always subtly change as they go up and down. You're in a band, mm-hmm. but in generally, a AAA will pay a lot less interest than a C. Okay, so if you take a practical example then, Philip, we've got you know, a, a, a bond fund, it's investing in you know, triple B's all the way down to B and triple C's. So they might, they might end up with good returns, mm-hmm. what you're saying. Why bother to invest in the higher rated stuff? Because these things never go Go wrong. Bonds are bonds are always secure, right? You don't no. have any issues it's, with them. You just get bigger returns, going more risk. It's not like equities. Just stick your money in a high risk bond fund, and off you go. This is not true because the same company can have two different bonds that have two different ratings. It can have a AAA rated bond because there's assets as collateral for them. So, so we'll say Joe Blogsing, just to make up a name. Uh, they put their factories land as collateral for one of their bonds that will be rated higher we'll just say triple a for the moment however unsecured bond might be rated double b below investment grade because if you go bust you're at the bottom of the queue just above shareholders if there's anything left Mm -hmm. whereas the other guys you default on that they repossess the land so the something that's happened just at the moment is mclaren cars in the uk they are having to put up their historic Formula One car collection as collateral because people want collateral. So generally when you're looking at the higher rating bonds, it's because there's collateral behind them, not just the name of the company. Mm-hmm. When you get down to the lower end of the bond rating, it's probably because they're uncollateralized. Right, so so it's like taking out a mortgage and you're borrowing personal against loan, yeah. the, the, the house yeah. versus a personal loan where you're taking it yeah. against... And as you can see as a person, you can have a mortgage where you pay a lot, a low amount, yet your personal loan you pay a lot, yet you're the same person with the same income. And the same same credit rating. Yes, Uh, because here the bond has a different credit rating, not necessarily the company. But yeah, right. So the person that we are borrowing from 
It's whether they see they need security or not, and therefore we will pay for the privilege by a higher rate where we're not securing anything That's right. against our home or something like that. So, so it does. What you're saying, it does matter. Yes, and there is a natural default rate over a cre- over the business cycle. There is always companies that go bust, and therefore the default on their credit. It's a very low rate, and then when you get to the recessions, you get higher rate. But there, every year. There are still companies that go bust and default naturally. Okay. So, but I guess my point would be if you turn around and said, let's say the stock market goes down in, in, in the unlikely event that the stock market ever crashes, let's say the equities are much more likely to go down. The value of that company is going to go down a lot quicker than the bond that you would be investing in against that company. So therefore you're less likely to have a hit on your capital investment during a stock market crash. Is the is the bond safer or more stable it's probably two questions there somewhat depends because this is out in the open market depends when you buy the bond so when the company joe Boggs inc issues their bond they will say for thousand pound they will pay a coupon of maybe 50 pounds a year so a five percent coupon five percent yield now say a couple of years later on the market doesn't think the bond is worth its face value its par value a thousand pound they reckon it's a 500 pounds the company is still paying its £50 a year coupon interest. So therefore, it's instead of 50 over 1,000, it's now 50 over 500. So your, your interest rate has gone up a lot. So it depends on when you buy, depends on when you're going to lose capital. But if you hold the bond to redemption and they don't go bust, you get your £1,000 back, which might be a lot more than the capital paid to buy it. Or it could be a lot less, because also there are some companies where the bond started off at 1,000, had they gone to 1,500. Effectively, the guys who bought it for more than 1,000 are not gonna get 1,000 pound back in their principal. So it gets very messy when you're doing it, doing it on your own, personally. This is what often pays to have a manager look and manage it for you. So yeah, so coming back to the bond, bond, yeah, bond fund, because you're taking a much more distributed risk yes. across Enough. those. And you can find bonds are not easily traded individually. Not all of them are at the smaller end of the market. So they're usually the big caps. So it can be difficult to do as a private investor because you need to do quite a lot of investigations into their finance side. Are they safe to buy? Is what the interest rate that that bond is offering worthwhile compared to the risks you're taking? It's not a simple calculation. Okay, so again, I think for private investors, there's it sounds quite complicated to me if you want to go and invest in individual companies' bonds. So the better part of Allah here is to look at individual bond funds if that's the route you want to go down potentially for a a less turbulent existence than perhaps equities are but we're not saying they're necessarily any safer yes i mean and this is where same with equities you want to hold a portfolio of bonds not just one bond to minimize the default risk because there's a small default risk but you want to spread it over more bonds you've bought okay so we've said the ratings do matter so who's you, you talked about the was it Moody's S and P Standard Poor? So these guys are setting the grade. So like you said, you've got that company that comes along, Joe Bloggs Inc., who wants to put some bonds in the open market. Is that rating that they get from the credit agency independent? Who pays for the rating? The for company example? issuing the bond pays for the rating, and this is where all the controversy comes because you could say. The bond, there is a conflict of interest potentially from the credit rating agency and the issuer of the bond. Now, I'd fully recommend you go watch the film The Big Short for some of these 
shall we say, conflicts of interest, because they did occur during the Great Recession of 2008, 2009, partly through some of these with the mortgage-backed securities. And I, that film, they do a better job of explaining it in a far more educational and entertaining manner than I can today. But yeah, there is a concern about conflicts of interest. It's the guy issuing the bond who's paying for it to be issued. And are the credit rating agencies really giving you the right number? It's a guide, maybe not fact. You have to be careful. Okay. So yeah, I guess it's a bit like um, well, you, you remind you've reminded us about the Big Short, and for anybody that's not uh, listened to episode four, where we did our our top five movies, I think that was number five. It's a it's a cracking movie, so do do uh, check that one out if you haven't already. But the thing that's on my mind with that is let's take it to property. You go and buy a house, or try and get into the process of buying a house. You would have a survey done on that house, and the individual looking to buy that. Would, would pay for the survey traditionally and there's been all sorts of chat about whether the person owning the house should have that survey done but it's kind of that scenario where you turn around and say if the person who owns the house gets the survey done and is paying the surveyor to survey their house the bits that aren't good about that house have the potential for disappearing and I'm not saying that surveyors wouldn't you know that they are uh, obliged to put all the information in but it's that kind of thing where yeah we're saying in the past there have been instances where bonds that are a lower rating in reality have been given a higher credit rating which makes them easier to sell in the open market correct and if you want to see more of that big short is a great place to explain it Check out the big short. yeah but that happened a lot in 2008 2009 or prior to that with mortgage-backed securities in the late 2000s it's worthwhile maybe looking at some of the funds because they employ a, a small army of people who go and look at the finances of the companies they're investing in. They use the credit agency's uh, ratings as guides, but not black and white. They put on their own analysis as well before they go and buy. And this is where maybe, where you're looking at a tracker, for corporate bonds anyway, personally, I find that a little worrying because you're totally reliant on the credit ratings agency's numbers. And if it's weighted for the market of debt, you're just buying more of the most indebted company who, how do you put it, psychologically, that doesn't quite sound right. You're buying the most indebted company because it could just be that it's not just they're the biggest company, they're just, they've just borrowed lots of money, but they're actually quite a small company. So therefore, I'm quite wary of trackers for corporate bonds, personally. Others are different, but for corporate bonds, I actually want someone to actually look at the numbers before they go and invest. So I personally pay for active management in that area so i think we're just picking up then on the 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 balance between the tracker being a a tracker in itself where it just it just follows the market and an actively managed fund where bonds are concerned potentially it would be good to look at active funds personally actively managed funds sorry personally that's what i do yes yeah and i and i agree with that i think because bonds can be a bit scary if you don't if, if you've not dealt with them before and you know in a standard portfolio people talk about this you know 60 percent versus 40 percent bonds versus equities so you know you should have a, a relatively stable 60 percent in bonds and then you've got hopefully hopefully some growth and some dividends on the equity side but the difficulty there is what we're just saying is be careful what you wish for because you've got to either be very careful and do the research and look at those ratings and understand that you you need to read between the lines of 
the score and just not take it at face value for the for the trackers yeah. and for an actively managed fund you can actually look at the previous history you can start to have a delve into what they're actually investing in and that they are doing that research for you and just to be really clear i'm talk when i'm talking about the trackers i'm talking about corporate bonds and should we say emerging market or non-developed government debt when you come to developed government debt particularly the very big ones or the country that you live in here in the uk a tracker fund that follows uk government debt which is called gilts i would be more happy to have a tracker do those because they're in three to five year or five to ten year that's the market you can follow it the default rate of the government is probably similar across most bands but it's when you're moving to emerging market government debt or corporate bonds i personally am uncomfortable with trackers that just follow momentum I want to have a person because there's big events there because the tracker said that Argentina was great. Yeah, it's only a couple of months ago. Argentina defaulted for something like the 15th time in its history over 200 years. That's a certainty now, not the default rate with Argentina, not an if. That seems like quite often, doesn't it? But you're right. I think, you know, so when we talk about the trackers, we're talking about, you know, exchange traded funds, that kind of format, aren't we? They're predominantly the trackers, but you can get tracker unit trusts. So, Philip, you've mentioned Argentina there. Can we keep it? Producer Keith, I'm going to leave a little snippet in next time. (laughs) So, Philip, you mentioned about Argentina and they're defaulting a number of times. Haven't they issued a 100-year bond recently? Yes. What does that that actually mean? Well, that means the redemption, where they repay the principal or the capital back is in 100 years time because you have a duration of a bond so you can have ones that could be a couple of months a couple of days overnight years decades up to 100 well you can actually have perpetual bonds where there's no redemption date no fixed redemption date right so who would be buying it's so the thing so i'm i'm definitely not going to be here in 100 years that's that's almost a certainty unless there's some improvement in genetics or cryogenics maybe but who's buying that that's a very good question, and maybe something we should say for another day, because I do know who did buy a lot of those, and let's just say when Argentina recently defaulted, his fund made colossal losses of tens of billions of pounds, or tens of billions of dollars. Okay, but Frankly, is it a hedge fund? No, no, this is a bond fund. This is a, like a $2 trillion bond fund, right, PIMCO. Okay. Oh, right. Uh, or um, Franklin. Okay. These are some big, and he's a very star manager who bet. And lost. And this time, he buying. it was in emerging markets who are known to be volatile because their government gives you say, you know, that bond I issued, I'm not paying quite regularly. They okay. do that because they're often very good interest rates because of that risk. Yeah. So the- there's a lot of questions about should you, shouldn't you buy things of that nature? That's maybe a story for another podcast because that could go into a lot of detail. Okay. So, but you're from what you said earlier on about the, the ratings, you know, let's say UK pension funds are not going to be able to buy that 100-year bond. Is that correct? There aren't, so for like in the UK and in the US and most developed nations, investment companies such as who run pension funds or life insurance companies, they have, they can hold a certain amount of non-investment grade credit, whether that's corporate or governmental. Mm-hmm. So once that they've reached that limit, they yeah. have to get rid of any excess. So if a country or a company gets downgraded from investment to, to non-investment grade, they may have to get rid of it because it might go above their threshold. And their thresholds, I don't know exactly what their thresholds are, but they're not very big. They might be 5% of total portfolio. Right. So it's a big thing if you knocked out of investment grade. Okay. So UK pension funds are not going to be buying a lot of that type of They debt. would probably be a lot of sellers of that if you went from being high to low. Mm. 
Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Philip. We've covered quite a lot there. I think just trying to understand what the ratings mean against what you could potentially buy. Mm-hmm. So thanks to Philip, and we'll see you next time. This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.